Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, for episode three here on the Austin Rugby Supporters Podcast. I'm joined by a partner in crime, Alex Kalpa, or Alex number two, or Alex the Amazing Guitar Player, however you want to spin it. Um, and today, as promised, we have a special guest in the form of not only an old colleague of mine, but one of the most integral parts of the Austin Gilgroni's success, particularly from the business end. It's Austin Willis. Austin will be joining us today. Austin, glad to have you. Thanks for having me. I've been a longtime fan of the Austin Rugby Supporters Podcast um, back when it was started up by Dustin. And um, and then obviously now that you guys have taken it over, I'm sure it'll go to new heights. So thanks for having me on. Well, Austin Willis is certainly uh, certainly a good building block to uh, to building building up to new heights. Uh, Alex, how was your weekend? Yeah, it was really good, really good, uh, romantic. Um, we went to um, a burlesque show uh, for Valentine's uh, Day, which is awesome. And uh, then obviously got well uh, when they released the the replay of the Austin game, I got to watch that as well, and it was like oh yeah well no i think uh i think everybody was was pretty pleased with the with the austin game and we'll dive into that uh more as this episode progresses um but you know as we do each week we're going to touch a little bit on uh club results from this past weekend there's a, a bit more action than we had the week before we had uh the austin huns played two games the blacks played one game uh, and then we had the Austin Valkyries play a game and the Ron Brock Rage. So kind of running through those scores, uh, Austin Huns won, went up to Dallas, took down the Dallas Quins, 41 to 15, solid performance, bonus point win, um, gets them moving back in the right direction, heading into their next week. Uh, Austin Huns D3, doubled up on the Dallas Quins, made it two for two. They won 47 to 10 uh, in a pretty dominant performance from start to finish. Um, and then perhaps the most impressive result from the weekend from our Central Texas teams, uh, the Austin Blacks traveled all the way out to Little Rock and hung a goose egg on the Stormers winning 50 to zero in that D2 contest. Um, here back in town, the Round Rock Rage hosted the San Antonio Riveters women. Um, and in that D2 fixture, the Riveters for the second straight week hung a 60-pointer, beating the Rage 62-0. The Austin Valkyries got their first win across D1 and D2 this season with a 36-7 win over Bay Area. And Austin, you know as well as I do how annoying it is uh, as a reporter when we were trying to find scores and teams don't post them anywhere. So um, if anybody knows the U UT versus UNT college rugby score from this weekend, uh, please do I so. I don't know the score, but I know Texas won pretty handily. All we right. Welcome, baby. We had a few Texas players come from the that game to the AG's game to volunteer in the plaza. So they told me that they won. They didn't tell me the score, though. Wonderful. Um, so yeah, that, that wrapped it up for high school, college and club from this weekend. And then guys, I think the most exciting result from the weekend, if you're an Austin rugby supporter was that absolute thrashing 
that the AGs gave to Old Glory. Getting some revenge from that uh, season finale last year, which came down to the final play. It was no question in doubt this time. The final play was meaningless as the AGs won 57-12. to We're going to get a lot more in-depth with our analysis on that fixture. But before that, wanted to fire a few questions to our guest here, Austin Willis. Uh, for many of y'all, uh, you may be familiar with Austin's voice. He's a he's a flow rugby commentator, content writer, uh, video producer, as well as the AG social media manager and content producer. And now, Austin, you want to tell us a little bit more about your current role with the AGs and and, uh, and what that's been like. Yeah. So thank you for that warm introduction. Yeah. I've had some good days back with you at flow doing the, the miss pass podcast, which is a lot of fun. Some of the best times I've had working in rugby. Um, now I've, so I've been doing the social media now for a little over two years and then recently transitioned to, um, the Academy team manager role. Um, so kind of putting together that first class of Academy players, um, and then taking them, taking them through the season, uh, with five games this last season and looking at more in the coming, uh, Academy season. And then also now I'm doing, uh, heading up our youth program. So, um, we're getting ready to go out into schools, um, doing school visits, um, discovery days, um, you know, setting up the match day youth, uh, rugby out in the plaza and then, Get, forming some relationships with youth associations so we can get rugby, you know, growing kind of in the area and, and get more youth players, which would mean more high school players, which means more club players and more future AGs. So yeah, taking on all that and really enjoying it. It's been a lot of fun and I think I have the best job in the world. So, I mean, I think anytime you get to, uh, to make your passion, your job, I think you're winning, um, across really all walks of life. Um, Austin, uh, before I'll let Alex ask a few questions, but um, I think something that's really interesting is, you know, you helped start the, the Austin Gilgronies Academy, which is the outlaws. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in just one season, um, we're only three games in two, two games in, sorry. Um, you want to talk a little bit about, you know, the number of guys that have transitioned through the Academy that have already gotten some time with the AGs, whether, uh, actual game time or, or consistent training and, uh, some of those APC contracts. Yeah. Um, for sure. We've had, so all led, the Academy is all led by Dave Hodges. He's the man, you know, with the, with the real eye and organization, you know, former GM of USA rugby hall of famer and that. So I'm just his supporting, supporting, you know, partner in this thing, but he's done an awesome job at scouting, evaluating and um, helping develop talent to get these players through. But what we've seen, what maybe 10 to 12 players get called up to train with the AGs, the top side in the last, you know, four months. Um, so that's been, that's been really awesome to see those guys go and then form kind of that scout team, you know, within the AGs and be able to give them a good test in, in training, which I think is turning into good results on the field. But you see guys like Campbell Robinson, um, Jeff Steele, you know, Nick Taylor, these are guys that you may not know their name right away. Um, but soon enough you will. And, and they've come from the outlaws program, Campbell being the, 
the first to break through into the MLR side. And that's um, amazing. Campbell was looked really good. He's, he had, uh, I think he's had like uh, two matches now with 10 minutes at the end to uh, go like to play in the second row to get jump straight into like uh, a kind of senior rugby, be professional senior rugby from out of an academy. That is a very, very impressive work. Yeah. And he's, he's just an awesome guy. He actually played at my former club. So I've like, you know, back in Georgia. So I've got a lot of love for him. I knew he would, he would crack the MLR soon enough and his opportunity came faster than others via injury and that. Um, but I think you'll see guys just like Campbell, like with, whether it's Jeff Steele, Nick Taylor's coming, Mendy Carlton's coming. Like these guys are going to be in the roster by the season's end. And I yes. think that that's awesome for us. But also that thing I talked about where we've got those guys playing on the, you know, scout team and you know what we call the battalion team and they're preparing the team each week so they're getting valuable experience and it's been awesome just to be a part of it absolutely and, and uh you know austin i think one of the, the bigger decisions you had to make in the past couple of years was kind of deciding between you know where does your own career as a player sit versus, you know, some of the long-term goals you want to achieve on the business side uh, or administrative side of rugby. So, you know, I'm kind of curious to, to hear, or I'm sure fans would be curious to hear, you know, how challenging was that decision to say, you know what, I'm not going to join the Academy as a player uh, because I want to kind of achieve longer term goals. And, and do you have any kind of words of wisdom for people that may be in a similar boat as you? Um, yeah, I think when I was doing the social media role, I had, and, and I knew we, we were starting up an Academy. I, I had the belief that I was going to be in the Academy while doing my role in social media. I thought I was going to be doing both. Um, and then that all like, with the start of the Academy and my shift to taking on the manager role, that kind of, it, 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 I, I think it took the, the opportunity to play out the window and yeah, you know, I was disappointed for a, a day. It was really like, tough to, to know that I wasn't going to be playing with a lot of my contemporaries. But once I, once I started doing the manager role, I realized how much that I was growing as a rugby player in that role. I was getting to hear all of the questions that players asked and all of those answers that the coaches provided, all of the getting to sit in on all the meetings, you know, all like all the, the strategy talk. So, um, then being the manager, you got to be able to make decisions and be, it helped me become a leader. And I've taken that now to the Huns field. So I feel like I've progressed as a person and that's helped me progress as a player on the field. And while I didn't get those five matches in the cat with the Academy with you guys this season, um, I've found, that it's, it's, I've, I've been able to lift my, my game. And I guess for anybody who's thinking about, you know, doing the same as me, like working in sports is in any sport is full out. Like it's all the time and it kind of never stops. Um, so you do have to make sacrifices, um, with things like your weekends and that. Um, but for me, this is my passion and rugby's given me an opportunity. Um, you know, it's given me purpose in my life. And so if I can give that to, you know, the youth of Austin or another Academy player and help them accomplish a dream that I hoped to accomplish, then I've lived a life fulfilled. Yeah. I, I love that Austin. I think, I mean, anybody that's around the, the program will say that I think you're off to a really flying start. And I mean, that's a really, I, I would say that's a very mature decision to make too, because you, you know, um, 
the here and now is, is getting to play high level games and getting to have fun on the field. Um, but I guess that sense of purpose and being able to kind of put yourself or put, you know, other things that are bigger, um, you know, ahead of you is, is a pretty mature decision that, you know, I don't know, would you have made that same decision at 22, 23? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I can always act in the here and now and that's where it was and that's where I'm at. And um, I still think, you know, with the Huns, I'm going to be playing in some pretty high level games. I think we're going to go really far. Um, so um, I think that's going to give me a lot of drive and excitement. And yeah. I was playing in those when I was 22 as well. And I yeah. got the same kind of energy out of that. So, yeah. Hey, you uh, collected a uh, fifth place plate plate trophy at the D1 National Sevens uh, last year with the Huns. So I think, uh, you know, on the field accomplishments are definitely definitely still still there and still being attained so um alex i know you had you had some good questions teed up for for mr willis um i'll uh, i'll hand it over to you thanks very much yeah so we are hoping to uh, get all of our guests to answer just a couple of quick fire questions uh, just to talk about their background so uh, austin what is your your earliest rugby memory or your first rugby memory my first rugby memory is um I guess my mom brought me my first rugby memory. She came to me after I was struggling to play, get playing time in American football in high school. Um, I had been going to all of the football workouts and just, I, I was at a powerhouse football school. I just wasn't seeing the field. So she came to me and said, Hey, my coworker is, um, has a son that's playing rugby up in Alpharetta. Like you should like, I'll take you, we can, we can go give it a try. And so I did some Googling and I was like, okay, I'll give this a go. And went out and my first training, it was all fitness, like nonstop, <laughs> which I was up for. Um, but the guy said after like, Hey, come back Wednesday, it'll be more rugby and it'll be sweet. So I came back and then that training, like high tackled the first guy I could see. <laughs> and everybody was excited about it. And they're like, all right, you, you're, you're in. So then I was in, I really enjoyed it. And I told I got to play on the Saturday. So I came out on the Monday, enjoyed it on the Wednesday, played on the Saturday. And I was like, that's it. I'm in. Awesome. Fantastic. Okay. Who is your favorite teammate and why? Uh, did Reese key you up for this question? <laughs> <laughs> no. um, I'm going to go with uh, JP Novak. Um, he's, Ooh. he's, Almost, I think he's around 40 years old and he plays for the Hun still. And I think he's an inspiration to me every time I see him play um, because it, it lends to like that longevity in rugby that you can play this game for such a long time. Um, and he's just this awesome example of like do your job, but also like a leader in, in positive self talk. You know, he repeats this saying, like, I love myself. I love four games. And I just, I love suiting up with that guy. And yeah. Fantastic. I got I to I gotta add in that uh, JP Novak made his professional sports debut for the Gilgronies, uh, the first ever Gilgronies game, actually, yeah. at age 40. Um, we believe, we, we believe, but need to be fact check on this. But until someone tells us wrong, we're going to go ahead and say that's the oldest professional sports debut in history. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story as they say. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. let's I go with that say, one. I got to say, uh, there's all truth though. in what Willis was saying, I can, I can back him up on, on that. The JP is an incredible leader by example and, and also an, an inspirational legend. 
Wonderful. And uh, Austin, can I ask, what is your position in rugby? So I guess I'm now a fly half. I've been playing fly half this season, which I, I've thoroughly enjoyed. Um, in past, I've played in the center. So, um, and then in college, I played scrum half. But I, I've really, really taken on the challenge of playing fly half and being the commander of the ship. And I hope to continue to do that. Okay, fair enough. And the question is, if you could play any other position, which one would you choose? Oh, I love this question because I would be a number eight, but I just don't have the physical. I don't have the physical stature to be a number eight, but I just it feel like it's just the cheat code position. Like you get a running start at the defense. <laughs> that's, the dad, that's the daddy position, isn't it? That's the yeah, one. Like, everyone, everyone wishes they could. You know, oh, I wish I was six foot five and two hundred and fifty pound and could, yeah. do, could run like a four three uh, forty time. Yeah. I, I flipped between. I flip between number eight and tight head prop because I think tight head is like the most kind of the toughest, most physically demanding. And I just love to have that kind of Mason Peterson kind of uh, bulk for it. But uh, yeah, number eight. Awesome. Um, okay. So I, I'd just like to add uh, to anyone that's listening. If anyone uh, does listen to this podcast, we would like you to mail into us at the rugby, Austin rugby podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to come on and answer some questions and talk about your rugby experience, please do drop us a mail and we'll be happy to, to have you on. And you too could answer some silly questions that we think of on the spot. So, and hey, Alex, I have a philosophy in life that, you know, every person has a story and every story is interesting. And I don't care if you've never played rugby, if you play rugby every day, if you just started, if you've been playing for a while. I truly believe that every single person's got something interesting to say. Uh, Today, we were treated by Austin Willis. Uh, and his background, which I think is super fascinating. We didn't even touch on, on a lot of, you know, your, your accomplishments as a player. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you are listening, you know, feel free to, to hop on because, because I know you have an interesting story as well. So, uh, um, echoing Alex's point there. Um, now moving on to, uh, to the talk of the town, the record setting performance over the weekend from, the Gilgronies hanging up 57 point no yeah 57 points on Old Glory winning 57 to 12 shattering our win uh, margin of victory record shattering our uh, points in the game record and I think setting the fastest try in MLR history I unfortunately was not able to be there I had a game up in Dallas Alex was on. Uh, Valentine's duties and you were there in the flesh. Can you just talk about the AG's performance and, and maybe, you know, shed some light onto, you know, what, you know, what are we doing? That's, that's causing it all to come together. Like it has. Not, I don't know if I'd rather be at the game or at a burlesque, Alex. I don't know. There's <laughs> something of the sort. I think, man, I think the AGs have kind of, are, are just gelled already. Um, and that's come from starting the preseason a bit early and getting it together out in Chula Vista, having the, having the Academy team that already knows the plays, um, you know, having a lot of continuity in the roster. So it just seems that we are a little bit more in sync 
than um, our, the opponents we've faced so far. Um, I'm looking forward to previewing the next match because I think that's going to be a lot bigger match than the records mm-hmm. might say. Um, but then you got to also, you know, look at the the new additions in our backline and those that equals points. You know, you got Ryan Lawrence putting the up tempo and our from scrum half. Julian Dominguez doing what he's been doing the last few seasons in the MLR. Mark O'Keefe, Marcel Rocky. These are all like all MLR guys, international yeah. guys that are just studs. So I think that's the, been the recipe so far is the additions, the continuity, and then with the continuity within the team. Um, and then all, it all gelling together. Alex was, Alex was, was singing the praises of both Mac Mason and Marcel Brocky last week after the Dallas game. And that was, you know, after a, a 35 degree tough to chuck the ball around, type of game, but Alex, you definitely saw something last week, uh, that, that I think really came to fruition this week, which was that connection between, uh, Mac Mason and Marcel Brocky was absolutely devastating. It was ridiculous. He could, he could find him with his eyes shut and he, there was a couple of no look passes that obviously, you know, they, 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 they train for these things and they have the moves and everything. Uh, but the two things that really impressed me was, one, the number of handling errors of which I think there were three in the whole game and they were forced um, by um, uh, by DCL Glory. And uh, in the first game, uh, it was like a handling mistake every 30 seconds. Uh, right. I know, and it was cold, first game of the season, everyone's excited, you know, whatever. But the fact that they <sighs> just cut it out completely you know to all intents and purposes uh, uh against good opposition uh, and played as well as they did it was the confidence levels and um uh the fact that mac mason's performance went a little under the radar i mean Marcel bracky took all the headlines and he was great um but really it was mac mason pulling all the strings in that first half yeah. um i'm a uh, bit worried yes I love that you pointed that out in your piece after the match because I Sam Harris believes that Mac Mason is going to be the league's MVP this year. Um, and I'm, I'm worried that he could not win MVP because he goes so unnoticed. And so I think if we stir up this fan club kind of thing, <laughs> we stir this up, then maybe he'll get the recognition that he deserves, but you're spot on in your analysis of the game because that's what Sam and the rest of the team's seen. And while Marcel ends up in the highlight reels and Julian yeah. ends up on the rugby network, it's, if you look closely, it's Mac Mason that's pulling these strings. Yeah, I'm making. I'm going to make a point of uh, checking out the the replay of the game. Whoever got the uh, the MLR Team of the Week fly half jersey um, <laughs> on the weekend, I'm going to watch the game that they played in. There's no way that he played better than Mac Mason did. Yeah, um, putting in the biggest tackle of the match as well, and almost flattening Doug Fraser unconscious. Um, <clears throat> uh, for which he went off for another uh, HIA, and he went off for one in the in round one as well. So, so Mac, mate, come on. You're a fly half. Don't don't get involved with the heavy tackling, mate. Look after yourself. Want you there all season. I don't want you missing games because you know vision's gone a bit blurry or anything silly like that. So he's. I, I feel like he's built like a he's built like a pit bull though. So he's just got that natural you know natural inclination to get stuck in and and go uh, lay some wood. Yeah, exactly. But you know you you you. I mean. 
Johnny Wilkinson kind of got famous for being the fly half that just tackled everyone. Uh, Johnny yeah. Wilkinson uh, ended three careers by tackling people, uh, which is a little mm. unknown stat. The lot Fabian Pelouse was the French captain, and his last action in international rugby was getting folded in half by Johnny Wilkinson, <laughs> which still counts as ending his career, I think. Um, but yeah, so uh, obviously Max tough, but I just worry for the guy. That's all. I I. I I do second that Alex, um, not, not to say that he shouldn't be getting in and, and making tackles because that's just, that's just, I feel like that's part of the, the AG ethos is that every single person tackles and every single person gets back in the defensive line and they go again and again and again. Um, I will say though, it, it would be, it would be very, um, hurtful to, to our chances, I think, long-term if, if we didn't have Mac Mason. And Will McGee is fantastic, um, and I think he's he's as good of a second fly half as you have in the league. But, you know, that is – you saw last year with the Giltinis, the difference between them and the rest of the league was that they had Matt Gateau, uh, who, who was the best player in the league and, and was pulling the strings at fly half. And, and that can't go uh, understated. So I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't want to see I, – I hate, I hate to see him get another HIA. So uh, is who – there's uh, someone else that uh, has their f- a fly half capability in the squad. Austin, who are the other fly half candidates that we've got? Ooh, I think it's – I mean, Mac Mason, Will McGee. Zinzan's um, played 10 before as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's played 10. I'd say yeah. – if he's not on the wing, he'd probably be a fullback. That's where he'd be more naturally suited. Um, Marcel Brock, he could probably slot in. He's, he does it at, from fullback as well. Nick Taylor. Nick Taylor's one that's been tra- um, an academy player, um, former draftee from Seattle, Seawolves, that's been putting his hand up to play 10. Um, so he, he's got some experience there as well. But, yeah, I think Will McGee is, is the – Clear cut number two man. There. He, he looked good when he came on uh, at ten uh, against DC. Um, uh, the other thing I was going to talk about is the leading try score. Another stat that you mentioned. Um, you mentioned all the stats that came out of the the game, but the leading uh, AG's try scorer uh, is now Hugh Roach, having overtaken yeah. Zinzan. Um, and oh, I think oh. that that is just they're going to constantly be trying to outdo each other this season. What do you reckon? I think so too. I think the, the Zinzan being on the bench or being out of the squad is um, is a testament to how you know deep we are at wing at the moment. Like we've got, you know, you had Zinzan who came off the bench and the was it the preseason match um, scored two tries and then that got him into the starting role and then he didn't score and then now he's been kept back because. Connor and Julian each scored two each. So it's, it's like, you know, who, if you don't score, you're in, you're out. If you do score, you're in like, it's, it's it's not. I gotta say, I gotta say um, something that really stands out about this uh, AG's team that we've never seen before um, with any Austin MLR team is the speed across the park is ridiculous. And I think, something that's really encouraging moving forward in this season is uh, with the depth that we have across the back line and, and out wide in, in the wings and fullbacks, we're going to be able to keep these guys fresh. And when your top 
when one of your top qualities is speed, I think being healthy and being fresh is such a huge factor to, to being able to, to perform at your peak performance. I think about last year and bless his heart, but you know, Roderick waters was playing like almost every week for the first half of the season and was playing through some pretty, it looks like some pretty serious injuries and was still playing really good rugby. Um, but, but so bandaged, so bandaged up and, and it's hard to, to really thrive on the wing when you're not at your top speed. And so I think that's a, that's a really encouraging thing to have Zinni, uh, Julian Dominguez, Connor Mooneyham, um, what's his name? Uh, Marco Keefe can even slot on the wing. Like the speed and depth is going to be massive for us. And, and I think it's going, and oh. How can I forget Dom Aquina might be the fastest guy in the league. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. You raise you raise two points that I think the staff is trying to get right this season is speed and then, um, durability of the team. Um, and like, obviously it was a key for us in the draft, you know, Mark Gerard wanted a fast team. He went and got Caleb Strum as the fastest player, Another one, yeah. Um, yeah, potentially in our team. And then you just see the commitment, obviously, with Dominguez and Connor and then those guys, the guys they, they brought in this offseason. And then there's also like a competition internally that's, you know, they're, they're tracking their meters and who's got the fastest, you know, who's breaking their going 104% of their. So there's an internal speed competition that, that, that the guys are all loving. Um, but then, yeah, staying healthy is, is, I think, the secret to the MLR. And what it's been so far is, um, it's a really tough competition and how dense the games are. Um, what is know, it? Six, 16 games in 17 weeks. Right. And it's, it's jam packed. And then you got the playoffs as well. So if you want to go deep, you have to stay healthy. And that's been a commitment this organization's had is our partner with Ascension Seton having, you know, four or five trainers in the building in on the field. Like you know, if you need access to medical you know, we've got that in, in here in Austin and that's, that's been a huge blessing for us. It's been a huge blessing for the Academy program to take advantage of um, all being under one roof. And so that's it. If we can stay healthy, keep this team, the best team on the field, then I think we got a really good chance to win this whole thing. Yeah. I would have thought so yeah. with the, with the, um, the, the Academy, what is that like a, a, an under 21 side or is that just a, like a, a, a sort of a, a, a a, a B team essentially for the for the Gilgronies. It's not it's, no, it's not age restricted. Not age restricted. Um, it's it's really this who's who can come from Austin and make the next step up to the MLR, train our system, you know, get in the in the gym um, and get in the in the book in their book, studying the plays and that. Um, and that's been you know the, those ten or eleven guys have been the guys that get, are going to be called up next. Um, Amazing. So, yeah. I think I saw on social media you were going to be holding uh, like trial days and um, open days coming in the, in the coming weeks. Is that, did I imagine that or is that happening? Um, no, not in the coming days, um, but there will be a spring combine that'll happen. Um, and that'll be an opportunity to, uh, along with the draft, along with um, kind of the next class of building is, you know, who's going to be in that next class of the outlaws, who stays on and who's um, and who gets brought in. And, you know, from the, from the guys playing on the Huns right now, guys playing on the blacks right now, um, there'll be a, a, a new class next year. And that's really exciting. 
Awesome. With the, with the, so um, coming from the UK, a combine, I think of as more of an NFL thing. Is it the same kind of exercises and tests and drills that you would do, or is it is it much more rugby specific? Do you want to take that, Reese? Because you were you. you uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, I actually did the, the combine in the fall, and then played with the with the academy side um, before kind of putting putting rugby dreams to the side, um, but. Uh, yeah, it was, it was actually kind of a hybrid. We did the standard, you know, like NFL combine style stuff of, um, you know, high jump, long jump, um, 40 yard dash, and then, uh, a Bronco, which is, uh, basically about a five to six minute full out sprint fitness test. Um, and then, well, under five minutes if you're, uh, if you're wanting to make it to the professionals, but, um, yeah, so it, it, it involved a lot of you know, your standard metrics, uh, across, you know, like speed and agility and strength. Uh, but then also, um, the second half of that was rugby, very rugby specific. You got graded on your, your technical clean out ability, your catch pass, your decision making, your tackling, your uh, kicking, your high ball taking. So, pretty much, you know, ran the gamut of all the rugby skills, but it was live, which um, really was only possible because I think maybe like 50 or 60 guys show, showed up for the combine. Um, and I think that's a kind of an under an underappreciated aspect of the combine is you need the numbers there to be able to do live type of um, live rugby and decision-making rugby. You can't really do that with 10 guys. Um, Yeah. That, that was kind of how they graded a lot of the guys and something that was really interesting that Sam Harris brought up at the combine in the fall was he said, you know, a hundred guys might, show up and, you know, most of, you know, uh, most of you guys may not end up going on and, and playing AGs. You might have other stuff going on in your life, but you know, out of the 100 guys here, you know, we might find that next Dom Aquina because Dom was uh, spotted at an Austin elite combine um, of, you know, a hundred different players. And he was the only guy that got selected or maybe him and Larome or someone, um, were the only guys that got selected and, and he just jumped off the page to, to everyone, 40 inch vertical for four, four, 40, you know, um, and look at him now. Now he's one of the you know, main guys on the team. So, um, the combine's definitely a cool, cool and American cool American spin on rugby, but it's not a, you know, it's, it's still tailored to rugby. Great. Uh, I, I think as a younger man, I would have loved to get involved in something like that. And then I realize how much it would have shown me up for all my weaknesses. So maybe not so much. But yeah, uh, it's, I think it's, uh, it's always going to be exciting. You know, I, as, a, as a fan of the AGs, I always think, oh, there's bound, bound to be some massive, huge ex-American uh, uh, footballer guy that wants to give rugby a try and turns up and suddenly, hey, you know, you've found a, an amazing second row or a prop or something like that. And, uh, um, you know, I always kind of, each year I'm like, oh, did they find anyone good that they're going to try and bring through mm. this season? Um, yeah. I think also having like a local aspect, um, guys like uh, Chris Osberg, I just love uh, mm. the fact that, you know, he when he wears the burnt orange, I mean, imagine, obviously all the team 
are completely on board with it. But he, you know, he probably had posters on his wall when he was a kid growing up uh, from UT and things like that. So to wear the colours for him is going to mean like so much. Yeah. I think the local aspect is very important to any team DNA. Yeah. Fun fact: my first ever rugby game was against Christian Osberg. Really? How how'd you get yeah. on? Uh, well, we crushed them because our, our team was, our team was really quite good. And, and, um, Christian Osberg was kind of a one man band, um, at his school. But, uh, but he was definitely, I remember going into the game, he had, I think he was the eight man and the entire game plan was they were just going to tackle, tackle, tackle this big, eight man. <laughs> everyone knew him, they knew what their plan was. So, uh, yeah, that was my, that's why my my claim to fame around uh, around the AGs took, nice. took Chris Nosberg out. <laughs> so I re- I've completely sidetracked the conversation. We were talking about the uh, uh, the the DC game, um, Utah. Let's look at Utah. What do you think, Alex? Uh, oh, we lost our partner here. He's back. Um, yeah, looking ahead to Utah, Alex. I I was actually just thinking about this in the shower today about how there's one team I want the AGs to beat more than any other team. It is Utah because over the past, really since the AGs were founded, Utah has been kind of a thorn in our side. I think we beat them in our first ever matchup uh, in 2018 and have lost every time since. And they're the team that they're the team that, you know, scored a mall try on the last play of the game in 2020 um, to prevent us from getting our first win. And I think it was 19 games at that point, 2021, we had the Mac Mason kick that was about a yard short from 52 meters, um, which was excruciating. And then, you know, I think the, the worst, probably the worst performance of the season last year up in Utah um, they really gave it to us uh, and kind of whooped whooped the AGs. So, you know, and then on top of that, it was so frustrating watching all season Utah have less wins than the AGs, but be higher than us on the table because they kept getting these like fourth fourth try bonus points and losing by less than seven bonus points in like garbage time of games, scoring in like the 85th minute and getting that extra bonus point. And then they ended up beating us in the standings by, by just a point or two. So um, I really want us to beat Utah because I know we can and should, um, but it's just about getting, getting that monkey off of our back. Exactly. How do you think the game's going to go, Austin? Sorry, my connection might be spazzing a little bit. So interrupt me if I drop out, but um, I, I really think we got a really good chance, man. I think, um, you know, the team's obviously clicking. Um, and I think, but I think Utah will be desperate. Um, and that's, that's a, that's something to be concerned about. You know, we, we were that desperate team at one point last year. And, um, I think we got a few wins based on that desperation. Um, and Utah will be, you come in and play that. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it, it, we're desperate to have a good home crowd, um, and get that kind of energy back in the building, you know, week after week, um, and try to just do exactly what we did against Dallas and DC or really DC. And that's come out the gates fast and put it on them and then play that kind of defense that we know we can play. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I, second, I second that as well. I think a, a good start is really important. Um, I think our set piece is so, so 
We're a little off sync there, but uh, yeah, I was saying, I think our set piece is so solid that um, I think we know that we have that in our back pocket to say like, yeah, if the game gets a little hairy, if it gets a little scrappy, um, I think that that does benefit us, you know, because if it does turn into a, a penalty fest, which I don't think it will, we do have the set piece to take advantage. We've got Mac Mason, who's probably the best goal, one of the best goal kickers in the league. Um, and then, you know, a, a scrum and a lineup that's, that's pretty ferocious. Um, I would really, really like to see us take advantage of the Utah pressure, uh, in games that I've watched before, they play really aggressive defensively with a lot of high line speed. And I think last year we got caught a little bit being a little bit tentative or a little hesitant, maybe not backing ourselves and, and not taking advantage of that pressure. I think this year, because of the talent, the skill, and the and the and the um, chemistry, I think this year with Utah over blitzing and over pursuing, I really do think we can actually just carve them. And I wouldn't and it, I wouldn't be surprised if this turns into a really high scoring uh, AG win. Um, and with that said, I, I will make a prediction that it's going to be forty five. To 26 AGs. Oh, his neck on the block straight away. Um, yeah, so um, it's, it's set up nicely. Utah 0 and 2, uh, both close losses for them, and they both, I think they scored 17 points in both games. So they obviously don't have a problem with scoring points. Um, they're going to be desperate to get that win. Um, I think they're going to be very, very surprised. Uh, it's a completely different Austin team to the one that they, they beat last season. Um, and I, I agree. I think uh, it's all signs point to another big Austin win. Whether they're going to go for the 60-point barrier, which is like you know the next mark for them to break through, I don't know. I'm, I've got a uh, – I, I respect Utah, but uh, Mikey Teo played hooker for uh, the USA Eagles under-20s, and then he moved to the backs. And 100 Ooh. years ago, people would get shot for cowardice for doing things like that. And <laughs> I think uh, I, had an old games, I had an old games teacher that said, anyone over six foot tall that doesn't play in the forwards is a coward. And uh, I, I tend to – I look at Mikey Teo running around in the backs, not scrummaging, not hitting rucks. He must be having the time of his life. Um, I'm so, sure he is. <laughs> so uh, I want, you know, I, it would just be nice to A, see Austin get the win, B, hopefully get a, a big score on the board as well. Um, but the way that Mikey Teo ripped us apart last season, I had to, I had to stand up and clap. It was beautiful. Um, he obviously uh, is, is, a, is a great player. Um, I'd like to see him lose against Austin just once this season. That's all. Willis. Yeah. I'll take a, I'll take a stab. I think, man, I think we're, we're going to win this game. Um, but I think it'll be close. Um, I, I know how, how our guys don't forget about those losses last year, as you saw on inside the scrum. Um, those, those losses were really, you know, painful for this franchise. Um, and so I think you'll have that rehashed this week on the chalkboard and, um, yeah, I think we get the win. Willis, you, uh, you cut out for about five seconds. Did you, did you name a, a score prediction? No, and I won't name a score. 
That's all right. Zencaster won't let you anyways. <laughs> um, uh, my prediction is 40-20. 40-20 to Austin like would be that. mine. A nice, that's a nice, that's a nice scoreline. Um, I, uh, you know, we mentioned that Mac Mason is a guy that flies under the radar. Um, and he certainly does given his, his production and his output. There's another guy that Alex, somehow we've neglected to talk about for, for two weeks. And, um, I think he's actually one of the most important Gilgronis players. He was last year and, and he, has been this year They're a completely different side when he doesn't play. And that's Michael DeWall um, who really can cover anywhere in the second row or the back row. And, and I saw a stat last year. I didn't see a stat. Our man, Dustin uh, shared a stat with us last year that Michael DeWall was hitting, you know, over 50 breakdowns game there for a while. Um, which is an absurd work rate for someone that's also tackling and also carrying a lot. Um, I think he's a guy that you don't necessarily notice the things he does um, on highlight reels, but he's a, just the definition of a glue guy that that's almost irreplaceable in the lineup. Um, Willis, you might be able to speak to this a little bit better um, because you're around the team, but would you, would you shed some light on kind of Michael DeWall's impact kind of on and off the field for the AGs? Yeah. Michael is um, easily probably one of the smartest players in our organization. Um, he worked in mergers and acquisitions in the off season actually. And just to show you how, um, how intellectual this guy is, but he's the guy that like knows the playbook inside and out. If you're new to the team, he takes you to the side, make sure you're clear on everything. Like he knows every role and that allows him and his physical ability allows him to play every role. Like you said, in the second row and back row. Um, but yeah, I think his, his impact goes understated week in and week out. Um, Sam definitely notices and that's why um, he's in the lineup every week. Uh-oh. Yeah. We lost Austin. You guys can- it's uh, a bit choppy. Quite, yeah, <laughs> a bit choppy. But no, we, we caught we caught the uh, mergers and acquisitions thing, which is, you know, and his, he's a... Murders and executions, as uh, we used to call it in <laughs> London. Yeah, that's what he does on the field. He murders the opposition and he executes... And there was uh, no, plenty I, of games, uh, plenty of games last season. Ooh, we lost Austin a little bit. Uh, hopefully, he'll come back. But yeah, uh, Dewar last season, I can think of some key moments in 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 big games where he was either instrumental in stopping the opposition uh, or uh, securing possession. Um, and yeah, like an Allen key player, just uh, does so many different things well. He's not your big. Uh, huge bruiser number eight he's more of a flyer more of a technical player which um means that he can pretty much do everything to a level of excellence and rather than be right. that that one trick pony yeah uh, scott quinnell or um uh the the south african guy at the moment is is brilliant as well but he's just big and huge um he doesn't do a lot of technical work on the ground, as they say. Um, but yeah, no, it, uh, I think he was pretty much last season. Dustin was saying that uh, he thought Michael DeWall might be his favorite player. Uh, and I was saying McLean Jones was probably going to be my favorite player. Mm-hmm. But um, 
uh, yeah, with uh, uh, Lockie McLaughlin leaving last season as well. Obviously, he played brilliantly in the last few games. Um, but uh, I, I did wonder whether we would lose out on having a big, massive number eight. But we've got Michael DeWall. So with that kind of yeah. engine and that sort of technical ability, there's not really any worries there, is there? No, there's not. It's uh, Peter Steph, the Twala guy you're you're thinking of. No, I'm thinking of Dwayne Vermeulen. Oh, Dwayne Vermeulen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Thor, Thor himself. Yeah. But, so he's he's Thor, and then the the Aussie prop is Tongan Thor. Um, yep. that, um So okay, yeah, but that kind of, I mean, that. Uh, number eight character. I always, I grew up with Scott Quinnell playing for Wales, who was to me the, the quintessential big bullocking number eight. Um, but uh, I mean, Mike Dewall does that as well, but he, I think he, um, he's always more um, aware of what he's doing for the team rather than just thinking I'm going to run hard and try and carry the ball in. Right. I think he's got more of the mindset of, I can't go too far. I'll lose my support. We need to recycle. Then I need to get back into position. Um, you can see it's all very cerebral um, with, with Dewall. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think he's, you know, they, they like to, sometimes I call them, you know, a, a heady, a heady player or, you know, one of, one of the, uh, one of the terms that, that always cracks me up is, you know, whenever someone's a smart rugby player, they always, you know, they always say, uh, Hey, he's a really good footballer. <laughs> <laughs> there was, uh, he's great. Yeah, he's, he's a great footballer. <laughs> there was, I mean, if you look at most of the, the professional rugby players playing today, most of them still scroll their name with an X, you know, there's not a high benchmark for, uh, for smarts in the, in the professional yeah. rugby game, especially amongst the forwards. Right. So, um, I think anyone that can, uh, anyone that can, uh, write with joined up writing probably counts as being like one of the elite intellectual elite. The footballers. Yeah. So it's a shame, no, we, shame we lost Austin. That was, it was good to have yeah. him on while he was around. Yeah. Yeah, Austin's uh, connection dropped, but yeah, certainly good to have him on. Um, real, really good insight, I think, into kind of behind the curtain, you know, around the AGs. And of course, Willis would never spill any tea around, you know, injuries or, or personnel or, or anything, um, you know, that that could, you know, give the opposition an advantage. He's, he's, a, he's a smart man, um, but it sounds like we're pretty dang healthy. So that's exciting not much tea to spill anyways yeah there's a few people i wanted to ask about from an injury point of view but like you say this is a, i don't want to put him under the spot to, in, in that regard um i did uh want to ask him about the the social media side of things and did he feel like starting any uh uh twitter sp- uh, not fights, but healthy rivalries and banter yeah. with uh, any of the other, especially like the other um, Texan teams. I think um, Houston and Dallas, we, if we could get some sort of social media um, spite going there, that could be very entertaining. I think that could be good for PR. 
You know who's pretty. You know who's pretty aggressive about prodding other teams is uh, the whoever runs the Rugby United New York account is always looking to poke the bear. <laughs> uh, okay, well maybe you should. Uh, maybe we can stoke the fires on that one. We should think of some yeah. outrageous rumor that we can start propagating, trying to get the the heat going online. I think it's yeah. uh, with social media. I think there's such a, a high bar for like humor, and people appreciate that. Um, you know, uh, if you can just bring a bit of, make some, just put a smile on someone's face with a bit of uh, silliness uh, online. I think people always uh, gravitate towards that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Alex, I, uh, it's been a pleasure again, chatting AGs. And uh, before we, you know, sign off for the weekend, I wanted to look ahead and just preview a few of our club games coming up this weekend. Um, not terribly busy, but definitely some good stuff on the menu. Uh, I think headlined by the Huns versus Reds triple header up in Dallas. So D1, D2, D3 for the Austin Huns will be taking on Dallas Reds 1, 2, and 3. Uh, Austin Blacks D1 and D3 both head up to Grand Prairie uh, to take on the Grand Prairie Mavericks. Austin Blacks D2 travels to Fort Worth. Uh, to take on Fort Worth and other rugby club. They are hosting Fort Hood uh, up in Round Rock and their sister team, the Round Rock Rage, will be hosting Bay Area Rugby Club. So I was actually terribly misinformed when I said that there's not a lot on the menu. Cause <laughs> I was going to say, that, that sounds like quite a lot. Yeah, that sounds enough, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. Just about every single team in the area will be playing this weekend. So it should be good stuff. Um, AGs, as we talked about, taking on Utah here at Bold Stadium. Uh, last game before they hit the road. Next week. Yeah, tickets are only 10 bucks. Uh, I wasn't going to mention that for some reasons, but I'd, if anyone listens to this podcast and thinks uh, they want to go see some rugby, go and get a ticket for 10 bucks. It's amazing value for professional sports and you'll love it. The weather's going to be a little bit warmer. Uh, the rugby yeah. is going to be amazing. Um, get down to Bold Saturday night. Go and check it out if you haven't already. Absolutely. Alex, thank you so much for your time. Austin, if you do uh, tune in to the podcast, uh, we greatly appreciate you jumping on with us today. Uh, it's a real pleasure. And we look forward to having Austin on uh, again later on this season. And again, if you guys are listening and you would like to be featured on the probably 545th most popular podcast in the Austin area, um, Please give a send an email to austinrugbysupporters at gmail.com um, and let us let us know or, or ping us on the uh, Instagram page. And also, the Austin Rugby Podcast at gmail.com is the uh, the address I have here. Yeah. Write in, tell us what you're on about. Uh, tell us why we should have you on. We'll be more than as long as you've got a decent uh, internet connection. Uh, yep. You'll be we'll be happy to have you on. Chat some rugby. Yeah, and everyone has a story. All right, Alex. Well, this is our longest podcast of the season. Um, I hope hope our listeners made it through. Um, you guys take care this weekend. Enjoy some rugby. Enjoy some good weather. Enjoy some good food, good barbecue, good people, and just the greater Austin area. Best place on the planet. 
for Alex and Alex. And on behalf of Austin, we thank you for listening and we'll catch up with you next week. Ta-da. Bye.